Hello and welcome to Nature Snippets, a podcast about natural phenomena, about organisms that you may find in your backyard and beyond. I'm Declan McCabe, coming to you from St. Michael's College in Colchester, Vermont. Well, you're back for more. Welcome, glad to have you. Today I wanted to get into a little bit about ice formation to follow up on the essay which was the first podcast, which was Life at 39 Degrees. And before getting into it, I wanted to discuss temperature units just a little bit, and units in general. As a scientist, I would typically use Celsius as my preferred unit for temperature. However, many of the folks listening to the podcast are probably not scientists, and for the US audience in particular, Fahrenheit is the preferred temperature measurement. And so you have to make a decision. Are you going to use units that scientists like, or are you going to use the units that everybody else likes? And I have gone in the direction of using the units that most people will like, I hope. So you have to make a decision when you write or when you present. And that decision has to be, how can you best communicate with your audience? And this is something we teach in courses at St. Mike's all the time. How can you best reach your audience? So, there it is. I will end up using American units, which are also known as British units, although the British no longer use them, generally speaking. But that's what we're going to use. So, we'll be talking about Fahrenheit for temperature, and we'll be talking about feet and inches frequently as distinct from using meters and centimeters. So on with today's topic. The essay I wrote about this is called Ice Capades, and I was able to get some wonderful input from a chemist on this. So a big thank you to Dr. Christina Chant from our chemistry department at St. Michael's College for her help with the chemistry. And on to the essay, which is called Ice Capades. Come mid-January, when I am acclimatized to Vermont's winter, I enjoy an occasional stroll on the icy surface of Lake Champlain. I favor bays sheltered from the brunt of the winter winds, when ice has had ample time to thicken. I pull on micro-spikes over my boots, and off I go. There's usually room to roam between Burlington and the breakwater that parallels the shoreline. The lake ice locks spectacular natural art in place. Bubbles trapped under December ice are entombed as January's ice forms below. Crystalline patterns resembling minute stars form during various freezing and thawing cycles that occur as the ice interacts with falling snow. This particular January, 2022, we really don't have the usual ice out there yet. But things are cooling down, and this week promises to be particularly cold. And so, I would anticipate we will have ice forming soon. When the winter air dries our skin, aquatic life goes on under the protection of the solid barrier. Life that is possible because of a strange quirk in the physical chemistry of water. Most liquids shrink as they cool, and eventually they become solid. The solid form continues to shrink, as it continues to cool. The old mercury thermometers that have fallen from favor took advantage of this principle. And if you use water to make a thermometer, it will work quite well. Until that is, 
the water cools to 36.16 degrees Fahrenheit, or 4 degrees Celsius. Below that, the water starts to misbehave, or at least behave differently than most other liquids. At 39.16 degrees Fahrenheit, water shrinks to its most compact and dense form. Any colder than that, and it starts to expand again, and continues to expand as ice crystals form. It is because of this strange expansion that ice cubes in your drink float. Because ice floats, our lakes freeze from the top and are frozen only near the surface. Sunlight and rising temperatures can thaw them from the top in the spring. If Lake Champlain froze from the bottom to the full extent of its 400 foot depth, it would be impossible for sunlight or warm air to have much impact and much of the lake's water would never thaw. Lakes and seas that froze from the bottom would also mean that life on the bottom would have evolved very differently, if at all. Fish would have evolved ways to survive freezing or they would be extinct. The insects that spend winter months fattening up for a spring or summer hatch would not have the feeding opportunity. It is not an exaggeration to say that some strange chemistry of water has permitted life as we know it. It is worth considering, therefore, what it is about water that makes this possible. Water, or H2O, is two hydrogen atoms attached to an oxygen atom by strong covalent bonds. These three atoms form a shape like a stubby boomerang with the oxygen at the bend and the hydrogen atoms forming the two arms. The boomerangs fly around in liquid water, connecting and breaking weak hydrogen bonds as though these molecules were in a three-dimensional game of tag. As the water cools, the boomerangs fly closer together and the water literally shrinks. At just under 40 degrees Fahrenheit, when the water is as dense as it can get, it stops shrinking and it starts to expand again as it approaches freezing. At water's freezing point, the hydrogen bonds become less transient and lock the boomerangs into hexagonal rings attached to other rings, like sheets of chicken wire. The rings have a space in the middle, and so instead of being packed close together, like in liquid water, each water molecule is close to just four adjacent molecules. The spacing of the molecules is so great that the water expands about 9% as it freezes, making the ice buoyant on water. Umpteen identical sheets of these hexagons are bound together face to face building thickness until a near infinite number of hydrogen bonds can support ice shanties, trucks, and people out for a ramble. It's important to recognize that these sheets are as firmly attached to each other as the individual molecules within the sheets are attached to each other also. So this is a three-dimensional crystal structure and it's not as though the sheets would easily slide over each other as is the case in graphite which makes it possible for a pencil to leave a line on paper. Instead, we have a very solid structure, which you can scratch with your fingernail, but it's still quite hard and is not going to come away in strips or layers. Some things to consider as you bait your hook and drop a line through the ice. Life started out in water more than three and a half billion years ago and only came ashore half a billion years ago. How different might things be were it not for the strange behavior of the humble water molecule?
I should add that if you intend to go on the ice, there are precautions you should take. I'm not a safety expert and I encourage you to look up those precautions yourself. I am very careful to measure the ice thickness before I go for my rambles. I take a hand auger and I make a hole and I look at it and I say, okay, is this enough to support me? When I take students on the ice, I have noticed frequently that I walk on the ice and I notice suddenly that there are no students standing next to me. I turn and I face them and I take a good big jump and I stomp on the ice to demonstrate to them just how strong it is. When I took them ice fishing at Knights Point, as I mentioned in the very first podcast, I made sure that we were on solid ice before I took 20 students out there. And I was very confident that it was solid because the DEC and the fish and wildlife people who were there before me actually had a vehicle out there. There are ice standards of thickness for how thick it should be to, for one person to walk, for a group to walk, or to bring a truck. and. That said, every year in Vermont, there is usually a truck or two that ends up going through the ice. Not only is this a dangerous proposition, it is also an expensive one because you need to then pay for the removal of your truck from Lake Champlain. And I cannot imagine that that is a cheap process. So be careful out there. And if you decide that you're going to go ice fishing, remember that you are doing it and it is possible for you to do it because of some simple chemistry and the humble water molecule. That's all for today folks. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please consider subscribing wherever you find your podcasts. This is a bi-weekly podcast so you can expect a new episode every other Friday. Thank you once again for listening.